Hare Krishna, <clears throat> excuse me. Hare Krishna, my dear devotees, welcome back to the daily readings of Srila Prabhupada's books right here in your live studios in Hive, Kent, Southeast England, just near the English Channel, where I'm with uh, my trusty assistants, Sikh uh, Shiramani Prabhu and uh, <clears throat> Abhay Das Brahmachari Prabhu. Uh, I've been on either on the phone or giving classes every, all day today, so my voice is quite weak. So please forgive that. Uh, I've been told that it's good enough to do the reading, so here I am, Hari Krishna. We hope you are all safe and sound and well, and happy in all respects. And let us go right into the uh, Srimad Bhagavata. Mahima Stotram from Srila Krishna Lilastava by Srila Sanatan Goswami glorifying the Srimad Bhagavatam and explaining to us deeply why we're doing what we're doing. It goes like this Sarva Shastrabdipi Yusha Sarva Vedaika Satpala Sarva Siddhanta Ratnaja Sarva Lokaika Drikprada O nectar from the ocean of all scriptures, singular fruit of all the Vedas, rich mine of the precious gems of all conclusive truths, you are the only giver of sight to all the worlds. Sarva Bhagavata Prana, Srimad Bhagavata Prabho, Kalidwanduddhita Aditya, Sri Krishna Parivartita. O life heir of all the Supreme Lord's devotees, O Master, Srimad Bhagavatam, you are the sun risen in the darkness of Kali. You are the exact image of Sri Krishna. Paramananda Pataya Prema Varshakshadayate Sarvadhasa Vasevyaya Sri Krishnaya Namostume. I bow down to you who are supremely blissful to read your every syllable pours down a flood of prema. You can always be served by everyone. You are Sri Krishna himself. Madeka bando matsangin madguro manmahadana manisdadagamadbhagya madanandanamostute My only friend, my constant companion, my spiritual master, my great wealth, my savior, my good fortune, my source of ecstasy, I bow down to you. Asadu sadhu tadayin atini chutatakada hanamunchagadachin mam premna rit kantayokspuda. O bestower of saintliness to the unsaintly, O exalter of the most fallen, please never leave me. Always appear in my heart and my voice with pure love. <clears throat> Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So we've reached 
text 45 of the ninth chapter of the first canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. We've just heard the very emotional um, departure of Bhishma Dev. Text 45. Thereafter, both men and demigods sounded drums in honor, and the honest royal order commenced demonstrations of honor and respect, and from the sky fell showers of flowers. Purport. Bhishmadev was respected both by the human beings and by the demigods. The human beings live on earth and similar other planets in the Boer and Buvar group of planets, but the demigods live in Swar, or heavenly planets, and all of them knew Dev as a great warrior and devotee of the Lord. As a Mahajan, or authority, he was on the level of Brahma, Narada, and Shiva, although he was a human being. Qualification on a par with the great demigods is possible only on the attainment of spiritual perfection. Thus, Bhishmadev was known all over the universes and during his time, interplanetary travel was effected by finer methods than the futile attempt endeavors of mechanical spacecraft. When the distant planets were informed of the passing away of Bhishmadev, all the inhabitants of the upper planets as well as of the earth dropped showers of flowers to show due respect to the departed great personality. This showering of flowers from heaven is a sign of recognition by great demigods and it should never be compared to the decoration of a dead body. The body of Dev lost its material effects due to being surcharged with spiritual realization. <clears throat> and thus the body was spiritualized as iron becomes red-hot in contact with fire. The body of a fully self-realized soul is not, therefore, accepted as material. Special ceremonies are observed for such spiritual bodies. The respect and recognition of Dev are never to be imitated by artificial means as it has been, become a fashion to observe the so-called Jayanti ceremony for any and every common man. According to authorized Shastras, such a Jayanti ceremony for an ordinary man, however exalted he may be materially, is an offense to the Lord because Jayanti is reserved for the day when the Lord appears on the earth. Dev was unique in his activities and his passing away to the kingdom of God is also unique. Text 46 O descendant of Bhrigu, Shaunaka, after performing the funeral, funeral rituals for the dead body of Dev, Maharaj Yudhishthir was momentarily overtaken with grief. Purport Dev was not only a great family head of Maharaj Yudhishthir, but he was also 
a great philosopher and friend to him, his brothers and his mother. Since Maharaj Pandu, the father of the five brothers headed by Maharaj Yudhishthir, had died, Vishmadev was the most affectionate grandfather of the Pandavas and caretaker of the widowed daughter-in-law, Kunti Devi. Although Maharaj Dhritarashtra, the elder uncle of Maharaj Yudhishthir, was there to look after them, his affection was more on the side of his hundred sons, headed by Duryodhana. Immediately, a colossal conspiracy was fabricated to deprive the five fatherless brothers of their rightful claim of the kingdom of Hastinapur. There was a great intrigue, common in imperial palaces, and the five brothers were exiled to the wilderness. But Bhishnadev but but was always a sincerely sympathetic well-wisher, grandfather, friend, and philosopher to Maharaj Yudhishthir, even up to the last moment of his life. He died very happily by seeing Maharaj Yudhishthir on the throne. Otherwise, he would have long ago quit his material body instead of suffering agony over the undue sufferings of the Pandavas. He was simply waiting for the opportune moment because he was sure and certain that the sons of Pandu would come out victorious in the battlefield of Kurukshetra as his lordship Sri Krishna was their protector. As a devotee of the Lord, he knew that the Lord's devotee cannot be vanquished at any time. Maharaj Yudhishthir was quite aware of all these good wishes of Dev, and therefore he must have been feeling the great separation. He was sorry for the separation of a great soul and not for the material body which Dev relinquished. The funeral ceremony was a necessary duty, although Dev was a liberated soul. Since Dev was without issue, the eldest grandson, namely Maharaj Yudhishthir, was the rightful person to perform this ceremony. It was a great boon to Dev that an equally great son of the family undertook the last rites of a great man. Text 47 All the great sages then glorified Lord Sri Krishna who was present there by confidential Vedic hymns. Then all of them returned to their respective hermitages, bearing always Lord Krishna within their hearts. Purport The devotees of the Lord are always in the heart of the Lord. And the Lord is always in the hearts of the devotees. That is the sweet relation between the Lord and his devotees. Due to unalloyed love and devotion for the Lord, the devotees always see him within themselves. And the Lord also, although he has nothing to do and nothing to aspire to, is always busy attending to the welfare of his devotees. For the ordinary living beings, the law of nature is there for all actions and reactions. But he is always anxious to put his devotees on the right path. 
The devotees, therefore, are under the direct care of the Lord. And the Lord also voluntarily puts himself under the care of his devotees only. So all the sages, headed by Vyasadeva, were devotees of the Lord, and therefore they chanted the Vedic hymns after the funeral ceremony just to please the Lord who was present there personally. All the Vedic hymns are chanted to please Lord Krishna. This is confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita 1515. All the Vedas, Upanishads, Vedanta, etc. are seeking Him only and all hymns are for glorifying Him only. The sages therefore perform the exact acts suitable for the purpose and they happily departed for the respective hermitages. Text 48 Thereafter, Maharaj Yudhishthir at once went to his capital, Hastinapur, accompanied by Lord Sri Krishna. And there he consoled his uncle and his aunt Gandhari, who was an ascetic. Purport Dhritarashtra and Gandhari, the father and mother of Duryodhana and his brothers, were the elder uncle and aunt of Maharaj Yudhishthir. After the battle of Kurukshetra, the celebrated couple, having lost all their sons and grandsons, were under the care of Maharaj Yudhishthir. They were passing their days in great agony over such heavy loss of life and were practically living the life of ascetics. The death news of Bhishma Dev, uncle of Dhritarashtra, was another great shock for the king and queen and the queen, and therefore they required solace from Maharaj Yudhishthir. Maharaj Yudhishthir was conscious of his duty, and he at once hurried to the spot with Lord Krishna and satisfied the bereaved Dhritarashtra with kind words, as did the Lord also. Gandhari was a powerful ascetic. Although she was living the life of a faithful wife and a kind mother, it is said that Gandhari also voluntarily blindfolded her eyes because of the blindness of her husband. A wife's duty is to follow the husband cent per cent. And Gandhari was so true to her husband that she followed him even in his perpetual blindness. Therefore, in her actions, she was a great ascetic. Besides that, the shock she suffered because of the wholesale killing of her 100 sons and her, grands, and her, and her grandsons was also certainly too much for a woman. But she suffered all this just like an ascetic. Gandhari, although a woman, is no less than Bhishmadev in character. They are both remarkable personalities in the Mahabharata. Text 49 After this, the great religious king, Maharaj Yudhishthir, executed the royal power in the kingdom strictly according to the codes of royal principles approved by his uncle and confirmed by Lord Krishna, by, Shri, by Lord Sri Krishna. Purport 
Mara Yudhishthir was not a mere tax collector. He was always conscious of his duty as a king, which is no less than that of a father or spiritual master. The king is to see to the welfare of the citizens from all angles of social, political, economic, and spiritual upliftment. The king must know that human life is meant for liberating the encaged soul from the bondage of material conditions, and therefore his duty is to see that the citizens are properly looked after to attain this highest stage of perfection. Maharaj Yudhishthira followed these principles strictly, as will be seen from the next chapter. Not only did he follow the principles, but, he all, but also got approval from his old uncle, who was experienced in political affairs. And that was also confirmed by Lord Krishna, the speaker of the philosophy of Bhagavad Gita. Maharaj Yudhishthira is the ideal monarch and monarchy under a trained king like Maharaj Yudhishthira is by far the most superior form of government superior to modern, repub modern republics or governments of the people by the people the mass of people especially in this age of Kali are all born Shudras basically low-born ill-trained unfortunate and badly associated. They themselves do not know the highest perfectional aim of life. Therefore, votes cast by them actually have no value, and thus persons elected by such irresponsible votes cannot be responsible representatives like Maharaj Yudhishthira. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purports of the first canto ninth chapter of Srimad Bhagavatam entitled The Passing Away of Dev in the Presence of Lord Krishna All glories to that great soul Dev, full devotee of Lord Krishna the knower of everything and the teacher of Maharaj Yudhishthira Hare Krishna Okay Chapter 10 Departure of Lord Krishna for Dwarka Text 1 Shaunaka Muni asked After killing his enemies who desired to usurp his rightful inheritance how did the greatest of all religious men Maharaj Yudhishthir assisted by his brothers rule his subjects Surely, he could not freely enjoy his kingdom with unrestricted consciousness. Purport Maharaj Yudhishthir was the greatest of all men of religion. Thus, he was not at all inclined to fight with his cousins for the sake of enjoying the kingdom. He fought for the right cause because the kingdom of Hastinapur was his rightful inheritance. And his, and his cousins wanted to usurp it 
for themselves. He fought, therefore, for the right cause under the guidance of Lord Sri Krishna. But he could not enjoy the results of his victory because his cousins were all killed in the fight. He therefore ruled over the kingdom as a matter of duty, assisted by his younger brothers. The inquiry was important for Shanakarishi, who wanted to know about the behavior of Maharaj Yudhishthira when he was at ease to enjoy the kingdom. Text 2 Sutta Uvacha. So we're back in the uh, Naimisharanya forest, the second uh, reading of the Bhagavatam. Sudha Goswami said, Lord Sri Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is the maintainer of the world, became pleased after re-establishing Maharaj Yudhishthira in his own kingdom and after restoring the Kuru dynasty, which had been exhausted by the bamboo fire of anger. Purport The world is compared to a forest fire caused by the friction of bamboo bushes. Such a forest fire takes place automatically, for bamboo friction occurs without external cause. Similarly, in the material world, the wrath of those who want to lord it over material nature interacts, and the fire of war takes place, exhausting the unwanted population. Such wars take place in human society by the dealings among the population. And the, and the Lord has nothing to do with them. But because He wants to maintain the creation, He desires the mass of people to follow the right path of self-realization, which enables the living beings to enter into the kingdom of God. The Lord wants the suffering human beings to come back home, back to Him, and cease to suffer the threefold material pangs. The whole plan of creation is made in that way, and one who does not come to his senses and go back to Godhead suffers in the material world the pangs inflicted by the illusory energy of the Lord. The Lord therefore wants his bona fide representative to rule the world. Lord Sri Krishna descended to establish this sort of regime and to kill the unwanted persons who have nothing to do with his plan. The battle of Kurukshetra was fought according to the plan of the Lord so that undesirable persons could get outen? I've read a mistake. This is just a database. The battle of Kukshetra was fought according to the plan of the Lord so that the undesirable persons could get out of the world and a peaceful kingdom under his devotee could be established. The Lord was therefore fully satisfied when King Yudhishthira was on the throne and the seedling of the dynasty of Kuru in the person of Maharaj Pariksit was saved. Text 3 
Maharaj Yudhishthir, after being enlightened by what was spoken by Bhishmadev and Lord Sri Krishna, the infallible, engaged himself in matters of perfect knowledge because all his misgivings were eradicated. Thus he ruled over the earth and seas and was followed by his younger brothers. Purport The modern English law of primogeniture or the law of inheritance by the firstborn was also prevalent in those days when Maharaj Yudhisthira ruled the earth and seas. In those days the king of Hastinapur, now part of New Delhi, was the emperor of the world, including the seas, up to the time of Maharaj Prikshit, the grandson of Maharaj Yudhishthira. Maharaj Yudhishthira's younger brothers were acting as his ministers and commanders of state, and there was full cooperation between the perfectly religious brothers of the king. Maharaj Yudhishthira was the ideal king or representative of Lord Sri Krishna to rule over the kingdom of earth and was comparable to King Indra, the representative ruler of the heavenly planets. The demigods like Indra, Chandra, Surya, Varuna and Vayu are representative kings of different planets of the universe and similarly Maharaj Yudhishthira was also one of them ruling over the kingdom of the earth. Maharaj Yudhishthira was not a typically unenlightened political leader of modern democracy. Maharaj Yudhishthira was instructed by Bhishmadev and the infallible Lord also, and therefore he had full knowledge of everything in perfection. The modern elected executive head of a state is just like a puppet because he has no kingly power. Even if he is enlightened, like Maharaj Yudhishthir, he cannot do anything out of his own good will due to his constitutional position. Therefore, there are so many states over the earth quarreling because of ideological differences or other selfish motives. But a king like Maharaj Yudhishthir had no ideology of his own. He had but to follow the instructions of the infallible Lord and the Lord's representative, <clears throat> an authorized agent like Dev. It is instructed in the Shastras that one should follow the great authorities and the infallible Lord without any personal motive or manufactured ideology. Therefore, it was possible for Maharaj Yudhishthira <clears throat> to rule the whole world, including the seas, because the principles were infallible and universally applicable to everyone. The conception of one world state can only be fulfilled if we can follow the infallible authority. An imperfect human being cannot create an, ideolo an ideology acceptable, acceptable to everyone. Only the perfect and infallible can create a program which is applicable at every place and can be followed by all in the world. It is the person who rules, not the impersonal government. If the person is perfect, the government is perfect. 
If the person is a fool, the, the government is a fool's paradise. That is the law of nature. There are so many stories of imperfect kings or executive heads. Therefore, the executive head must be a trained person like Maharaj Yudhishthira, and he must have full autocratic power to rule over the world. The conception of a world state can take shape only under the regime of a perfect king like Maharaj Yudhishthira. The world was happy in those days because there were kings like Maharaj Yudhishthira to rule over the world. Text 4 During the reign of Maharaj Yudhishthira, the clouds showered all the water that people needed and the earth produced all the necessities of man in profusion. Due to its fatty milk bag and cheerful attitude, the cow used to moisten the grazing ground with milk. Purport The basic principle of economic development is centered on land and cows. The necessities of human life are food grains, fruits, milk, minerals, clothing, wood, and so on. One requires all these items to fulfill the material needs of the body. Certainly, one does not require flesh and fish or iron tools and machinery. During the regime of Maharaj Yudhishthira, all over the world there was regulated rainfalls. Rainfalls are not in the control of the human being. The heavenly king Indradev is the controller of rains and he is the servant of the Lord. When the Lord is obeyed by the king and the people under the king's administration, there are regulated rains from the horizon and these rains are the causes of all varieties of production on the land. Not only do regulated rains help ample production of grains and fruits, but when they combine with astronomical influences, there is ample production of valuable stones and pearls. Grains and vegetables can sumptuously feed a man and animals, and a fatty cow delivers enough milk to supply a man sumptuously with vigor and vitality. If there is enough milk, enough grain, enough fruit, enough cotton, enough silk, and enough jewels, then why do people need economic development in the shape of tools and machines? Can tools and machines supply vigor and vitality to men and animals? Can machinery produce grain, fruit, and milk, or jewels and silk? Are jewels and silk along with varieties of foodstuffs prepared with ghee, grain, milk, and fruits, not sufficient for man's pure, luxurious, and healthy life? Then what is the need of an artificial, luxurious life of cinemas, cars, radio, flesh, and hotels? Has this civilization produced anything more than the doggish mentality of quarreling individually and nationally? Has this civilization enhanced the cause of equality and fraternity by sending thousands of men into hellish factories 
and the war fields at the whims of a particular man. It is said here that the cows used to moisten the pasturing land with milk because their milk bags were fatty and the animals were joyful. Do they not require, therefore, proper protection for a joyful life by, be, by being fed with a sufficient quantity of grass in the fields? Why should men kill cows for their selfish purposes? Why should man not be satisfied with grains, fruits, and milk, which combined together can produce hundreds and thousands of palatable dishes? Why are there slaughterhouses all over the world to kill innocent animals? Maharaj Parikshit, grandson of Maharaj Yudhishthira, while touring his vast kingdom, saw a black man attempting to kill, attempting to kill a cow. The king at once arrested the butcher and chastised him severely. Should not a king or executive head protect the lives of the poor animals who are unable to defend themselves? Is this humanity? Are not the animals of a country citizens also? Then why are they allowed to be butchered in organized slaughterhouses? Are these the signs of equality, fraternity, and nonviolence? Therefore, in contrast with the modern, advanced, civilized form of government, an autocracy like Maharaj Yudhishthira's is by far superior to a so-called democracy in which animals are killed and a man less than an animal is allowed to cast votes for another less than animal man. We are all creatures of material nature. In the Bhagavad Gita, it is said that the Lord Himself is the seed-giving Father and material nature is the mother of all living beings in all shapes. Thus, mother material nature has enough foodstuff both for animals and for men by the grace of the Father Almighty, Sri Krishna. The human being is the elder brother of all other living beings. He is endowed with intelligence more powerful than that of the animals for realizing the course of nature and the indications of the Almighty Father. Human civilizations should depend upon the production of material nature without artificially attempting economic development to turn the world into a chaos of artificial greed and love of power only for the purpose of artificial luxuries and sense gratification. This is but the life of dogs and hogs. Shiva Prabhupada Ki Jai. Text 5. The rivers, oceans, hills, mountains, forests, creepers, and active drugs in every season paid their tax quota to the king in profusion. Purport. <clears throat> Since Maharaj Yudhishthira was under the protection of Vajita, the invincible Lord, as above mentioned, the properties of the Lord, namely the rivers, oceans, hills, forests, and so on, were all pleased, and they used to supply their respective quota of taxes to the king. The secret to success 
is to take refuge under the protection of the Supreme Lord. Without His sanction, nothing can be possible. To make ec economic development by our own endeavors on the strength of tools and machinery is not all. The sanction of the Supreme Lord must be there. Otherwise, despite all instrumental arrangements, everything will be unsuccessful. The ultimate cause of success is the Daiva, the Supreme. Kings like Maharaj Yudhishthir knew perfectly well that the King is the Supreme Lord's agent who looks after the welfare of the mass of people. Actually, the state belongs to the Supreme Lord. The rivers, oceans, forests, hills, drugs, and so on are not creations of man. They are all creations of the Supreme Lord and the living being is allowed to make use of the property of the Lord for the service of the Lord. Today's slogan is that everything is for the people and therefore the government is for the people and by the people. But to produce a new species of humanity at the present moment on the base of philosophy and religion, justice and peace, God conscious and the perfection of human life, in short, the, idol the, idol the, idol the ideology of godly communism, the world has to again follow in the footsteps of kings like Maharaj Yudhishthir or Parikshit. There is enough of everything by the will of the Lord, and we can make proper use of things to live comfortably without enmity, enmity between man and man, or man and animal, or man and nature. The control of the Lord is everywhere, and if the Lord is pleased, every part of nature will be pleased. The rivers will flow profusely to fertilize the land. The oceans will supply great quantities of minerals, pearls, and jewels. The forests will supply ample wood, drugs, and vegetables, and the seasonal changes will effectively help produce fruits and flowers in profuse quantity. The artificial way of living, depending on factories and tools, can render so-called happiness only to a limited number at the cost of millions. Since the energy of the masses of people is engaged in factory production, the natural products are being hampered, and thus the masses are unhappy. Without being educated properly, the masses of people are following in the footsteps of the vested interests by exploiting natural reserves, and therefore there is acute competition between individual and individual and nation and nation. There is no control by the trained agent of the Lord. We, we must look into the defects of modern civilization by comparison here and should follow in the footsteps of Maharaj Yudhishthir to cleanse man and wipe out our anachronisms. Shiva Prabhupada Ki Jai. What a beautiful purport. Beautiful. Okay. 7.47 Hare Krishna. We'll end our reading here and call upon the sages to bring out their reflections. And 
mine the jewels and polish them with their realizations. Hare Krishna. First is from Gopakanya Devi Dasi. Hari Gopakanya Devi Dasi. Hare Krishna, dear Maharaj. Thank you as always that you are tuning us into God's grace. All glories to your daily reading service to Srila Prabhupada's books. All glories to Srila Prabhupada and Hare Krishna to all attuned assembled sages. Hare Krishna, very nice. She's a adding a little bit more every day. <laughs> Hare Krishna, thank you. And from Vijay Krishna Das. Hare Vijay Krishna. In order to become a Mahajan like Bhishma Dev, what is it that a human being needs to do? How much austerity is required? Please. To become uh, a great soul like Bhishma Dev, one has to do much more than uh, perform austerities. One has to develop pure love for Krishna selfless service to Krishna pure devotional service austerities may be uh, helpful in the beginning of devotional life but uh, in the end uh, pure love for Krishna is the only thing can that make can make one a Mahajan Every one of the Mahajans, the twelve Mahajans, have un, 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 uh, un, uncompromised and unparalleled uh, love for Krishna. And therefore, Krishna arranges all these wonderful things, like we just heard uh, under the, the kingship of Maharaj Yudhishthira. So rather than wondering how I can become Bhishma Dev, we should we should beg for service to the Mahajans. Gopi Partu Bhartu Padakamaleo Das Das Anudas. We should be the servants of the servants of the servants of the servants of those persons farthest removed from Krishna in pure love and the mystical power of pure devotional service which is the supreme mystic power uh, greater than any austerities uh, can control Krishna and therefore as we heard Maharaj Yudhisthira's uh, kingdom was flourishing in, in all ways because everything belongs to Krishna. And when we worship Krishna with pure love, then everything around us becomes um, not just attractive, but joyful and peaceful. And therefore everyone is happy. But if someone is uh, antagonistic to Krishna, if one does not recognize Krishna's personal form and um, worship that form with pure love 
and tries to I know there's heavy words but tries to kill God by claiming that he does not have a form he cannot come to the earth he cannot do the same things that we do uh, then we become uh, neglectable we become personalities that are uh, according to the laws of nature need to be neglected So Maharaj Vishmadev's um, pure love for Krishna and pure love for his grandchildren, not grandchildren, his ne nephews, uh, was pure and unmistakable so if we follow in the footsteps of Srila Prabhupada's teachings and follow in the last verses of the 12th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita in which Krishna explains how to please him then we can attain a spiritual state but not a Mahajan Mahajans are very special. All the universe is only 12 of them. But all of the great souls that we worship, you know, are acharyas and great leaders and kings. What to speak of the Supreme Lord Himself, Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, acting as a devotee of Himself. We want to serve them, we want to help their mission and help others to come to the stage of pure devotional service because nothing else will please us and nothing else will please Krishna Hare Krishna from Sudevi Dasi Hare Krishna Sudevi Dasi Hare Krishna Maharaj <coughs> please accept my humble obeisances glorious to Srila Prabhupada's books all glorious to the wonderful Transcendental literatures of Shiva Prabhupada. All glories is to his deep, thoughtful, and ecstatic uh, realizations of his purports. Hare Krishna. From Bhakti Noel. Hare Bo Bhakti Noel. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, dear Maharaj. Please accept my humble obeisances. I am grateful to hear these glorious transcendental words today and every day. Mm. Thank you for your service. Sometimes I ask myself how I am so fortunate to have found Krishna and Krishna consciousness. I won't question. I will just keep trying to humbly perform devotional service each day. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. All glory to Srila Prabhupada and we can say without question that you have served Krishna before and that's why you're taking up Krishna consciousness so seriously from the position you're in Hare Krishna, thank you for that This is from Bhaktin Maxine Hare Bo Bhaktin Maxine Hare Krishna dearest Maharaj please accept my humble obeisances 
The passing of Bhishma Dev is so clear. It feels like you are actually there watching it all unfold before your eyes. Very nice, very nice. I often think of this pastime and the love Bhishma Dev had for Lord Sri Krishna. How Krishna was in the sight of Bhishma Dev as he left his body. This pastime is so wonderful, it brings out all the emotions. Yes. There's a, there in, the, in the foreword to uh, the Briya Bhagavatamrita, Dr. Joseph O'Connor, which was, who was the, at the time, he was the chair of the International uh, Gaudiya Vaishnava Studies in the academy, the, uh, the, the academics. And he, he commented about the uh, Briya Bhagavatamrita that these are not book words but picture words and by hearing them can very easy, easily visualize what's going on because they're not contrived they're actually flowing from the heart of loving devotees Hare Krishna Prabhupada's words are completely selfless and just uh, relevant and uh, applicable to uh, bring happiness to everyone that's what he wants that's all he wants is for everyone to be happy from Anjana Gopika Anjana Gopika Haribo please accept my respectful obeisances dear Maharaj Hare Krishna, thank you. And from Visarada Radha Dasi. Visarada Radha, Hare Krishna. Please accept my most humble obeisances, dearest Keshava Bharti Maharaj. Eternally most grateful to you. Thank you, I am eternally grateful to you also. Hare Krishna. And from Vrajaloka. Haribo Vrajaloka. Hare Krishna, dear Guru Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Haribo. All glories to you and your daily readings. All glories to the glorious disappearance disappearance of Sri Bhishma Dev. Mm. Thank you for today's reading and helping us to taste this wonderful pastime of Bhishma Dev and the Lord. As I know, Bhishma Dev chanted the Vishnu Sahasranam while lying on the bed of arrows. It is a very wonderful prayer and I was really attracted of this when I learned it in the Bhaktivedanta College. What is your recommendation about this prayer? Can it be helpful for us as Gaudiya Vaishnavas chanting this prayer to support our main sadhana, chanting the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra? Thank you so much. The Hare Krishna Maha Mantra is the Maha Mantra and Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, stressed it to the maximum. Srila uh, Prabhupada never emphasized the, uh, this, this mantra you're talking about, Sahasranam, Shastra. Uh, it is there in the Vedas. It's a wonderful prayer. But at this time and place in the Kali Yuga, uh, Although it's appropriate when we're worshiping a deity or installing a deity, 
particularly. Uh, Prabhupada never mentioned it that much. He never emphasized it that much. He never stressed it. So because we follow in Srila Prabhupada's footsteps, we also don't stress it so much. We stress the holy name. When he was on his disappearance bed, he wanted the holy name and the prayers of the uh, acharyas uh, sung to him constantly, 24 hours. He never, uh, they never chanted the Vishnu Sahasranam Stotra. I don't think it's necessary to decorate the, uh, the holy name. It's included within the holy name. In other words, Hare Krishna. I'm from Dalnitai. Jai Dalnitai, Hare Krishna. Dear Srila Guru Maharaj, please accept my obeisance. Thank you, Hare Krishna. A reflection and question, if I may. As mentioned in the commentary today, the word Jayanti refers to the stellar constellation at the time of Lord Krishna's birth and can therefore only be used in relation to the appearance of Sri Krishna. If I understand well, terms as Hanuman Jayanti, Gandhi Jayanti, and even Balaram and Gita Jayanti are thus technically incorrect terms and are better not used. No, Gita Jayanti is Krishna. And the ever liberated souls are also as good as Krishna. So the term Jayanti can be used for their appearance. But it's not for an ordinary human being. From Vilas Manjari. Yes, Vilas Manjari. Dear Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. Yesterday I heard this quote from Vaisheshka Prabhu. Actually, it was an affirmation. Mm. Quote, my integrity is my strength, my austerities are my wealth. Unquote. I was thinking since then about how austerities are our wealth, and hearing these purports, Srila Prabhupada perfectly describes the real wealth of human life mm. and society when everyone is following a saintly leader and doing their duty. Yes. So relevant to all of us, yes. even more relevant as time goes on. Yes. And although it's impossible to reinvigorate the human society completely like it was in those days, we can we can try our best in our individual lives and then put those individual lives together and make a society that is following those principles. It's not easy. The material nature is now, as Prabhupada was describing, is full of quarreling and dissension and anger and war and so many things, ang so many and hate. Uh, uh, it's very difficult, very difficult to reinstate it exactly as it was before. But what we can do is we can follow strictly the regulated principles and chant our prescribed number of rounds and try to chant with, uh, without offense and try to be inoffensive to others. Sometimes Prabhupada's words were very harsh. You know, he would call 
everyone rascals, you know, constantly calling rascals the leaders and the followers and, you know, those human beings who have not actually come to the human stage, you know, and submitted to the Lord completely. Uh, but still, all of that is meant to uplift and to purify and clean the situation. So, yes, our, 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 these are our austerities. And the only vows that we make at initiation to follow the regulative principle strictly and to chant at least 16 rounds and try to chant without offense. That will bring us everything because that will take us back to Godhead. That's Prabhupada's promise and Prabhupada is so dear to Krishna although it may seem simple it may seem too easy it is not too easy. How many people can do it strictly their whole lives? Very few. But each time they do it they get closer and closer and when they do it then they go back to Godhead by the grace of Prabhupada by the grace of all of these great acharyas. Hare Krishna. Another question from Vijay Krishna. He says, What is the difference between pure love and normal love? There is no pure love in the, in the material world. Uh, love that is directed exclusively to the eternal forms of the Lord and His eternal associates and the spiritual world that is pure love that is eternal love but love that we have for forms that are temporary are just that temporary and normally they are self-motivated you know I'll love you if you love me. They're not selfless. Pure love is pure service, selfless service without payment, without material, material motivation. The Chaitanya Charitamrita describes the difference between love and lust. It, it's, it's a difference in quality. Uh, um, like gold and iron they're both metals but one is beautiful and glittering and valuable and the other one is dark and dirty not nice to look at so what passes off as love in the material world is simply lust because if you stop paying or stop giving the person sense gratification, then it's broken. There was another description in the Chaitanya Charitamrita which said that when a beloved person does something that is mm, that is worthy of leaving and the person doesn't leave, that's pure love. The, the closest thing, Prabhupada said, 
of to pure love in the material world, and it's not pure, but the closest thing is the love of the mother to the son. Because the mother will uh, take care of the child when the child is completely helpless, clean stool and urine, and consider it to be like out of love, not something obnoxious. Lord Chaitanya, when he was talking to Haridas Thakur and Sanatana Goswami, just before he embraced Lord Chaitanya, uh, Sanatana Goswami and cured his disease that he had acquired by traveling through the Jadikanda forest, he had itching sores, oozing sores all over his body. And Lord Sanatana Goswami was terrified of touching the Lord and having that, that you know, liquid go on to the body of the Lord. He was considered offensive. And Lord Chaitanya explained to them, he said, actually, I consider you my little children. And just as the mother is not disturbed when she has to, you know, clean up the stool and urine of the child and takes pleasure in it, actually, serving. Uh, so I don't smell your body as bad like you do. You know, your body is pure. You're a spiritual, uh, divine spiritual person. And then he embraced him and the sores went away completely and his body became golden and attractive. Hare Krishna, that's real love. From Bhakti Maxine. Hare Krishna Bhakti Maxine. May I also add, dearest Maharaj, your reading makes the writing even more relishable and addictive to hear. You really are kind of groovy, horrible. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much. I, you know, I can honestly say from the core of my heart that I love these books. You know, as soon as I touched Prabhupada's books, those two books I got on top of that mountain that time, I have been so much attached to the books, I cannot do anything but read them to others ever since then. So that is a blessing upon me. Uh, undeserved. Uh, I'm a horrible person, actually. Uh, but I really do love these books, genuinely. And I will continue to record them as much as possible and read them out loud uh, to as many people as want to hear them. Hare Krishna. They're my life. Hare Krishna. From Rati Manjari? Yes, Rati. I thought you went to a meeting. Glad to have you back. She says, Jai Guru Maharaj, happy to see you live, even if only for the Q&A. <laughs> I had a long Q&A with, uh, with the Hong Kong devotees today. Two hour long question and answer session. It was very good. I've been talking all day, therefore my voice is not so strong that tonight. But still, as Rasika encouraged me, I almost didn't read this evening, but I encouraged by Rasika Shirmani, I did. And I'm very, 
very glad I did because these pastimes were pure nectar. Hare Krishna. Visarada Radha. Visarada Radha Haribo. Says Maharaj, all glories to your dearest mother. Oh, you know, my dearest mother gets a Shraddha every year on her, dis on her disappearance day in Radha Kund ever since she left in 1997 starting 1998 really one more from Rati Manjari Haribo Rati Dear Guru Maharaj please accept my humble obeisances you are not a horrible person not at all some people think I am Hare Krishna can't please all of the people all the time. As much as Yudhishthir was pure and had no enemies, there were a lot of enemies on that battlefield. And when you become serious as a devotee and tell the truth all the time, then other people become your enemies, even if you're not their enemy. But the devotee never becomes the enemy of the enemy. He thinks that a person's acting as his enemy because of something he's done in the past wrong. From Rasanandini Dasi. Rasanandini Hare Krishna. All glories to the daily readings of Srila Prabhupada's books. They have found a home in Melbourne, Australia, too. Hare Krishna. Well, thank you so much. There's nothing like welcoming a new uh, person to our daily readings from Melbourne. Hare Krishna. Thank you for joining. Or maybe you've been reading a lot and hearing a lot, but not speaking, but whatever. Thank you. Nati Manjari commented, interesting. Very interesting. Thank you very much, everyone. Oh my gosh, it's 8.14. Hare Krishna, I lost track of time. How about that? Easy to do in the company of the Vaishnavas with a taste for hearing Prabhupada's books. Hare Krishna. Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Sama Beda Bhakta Vrindaki Jai. Gaur Prem Anandi Hari Hari Bo. See you tomorrow night, same time, same place, same topic. The ever expanding glorious glories of Sri Krishna and his eternal associates and the history of the universe seen through the eyes of the pure devotee, Vyasadeva. Hare Krishna. See you tomorrow. <laughs>